Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I am your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Katie Knaus. She is a foster mama, but she also has a background and works in foster care, right, Katie? Yes. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about your background, like your professional background as it pertains to foster care? Yes, absolutely. So I got my bachelor's of social work in 2016, and then I went on to get my master's in social work in 2017. And when I graduated from grad school, I started working for DHR, which is our child welfare agency here in Alabama. And I worked there for three years. So I started there right out of grad school, and I did investigations of abuse and neglect. Um, So I was in the child protective services side of it. And I quickly learned how needed foster families are and just saw how much brokenness there is in families and, you know, investigating abuse and neglect is just, it's difficult and it's a hard job, but it really gave me a passion for getting involved in foster care and just taking it a step further and hoping to one day become a foster family, which I am now. Yay. Well, that is so amazing to me. It always does blow my mind when I meet people like you and you're few and far between in my experience, but I do think I I can only imagine at sometimes you must be like, I just never want to, I want to come home from work and I just want to not talk about this and not think about it anymore. It's just so stressful, I'm sure. And then there's people like you in this world that are like, you know, actually I'm going to continue this work in my own family. That's just amazing to me. So what made you decide to do that? Obviously you saw a lot of brokenness, but what made you decide, uh, yeah, we're going to definitely foster someday. Yeah. So you're very right. There were many days I was like, I don't want to be any part of this anymore. I don't want to be involved in this. It's just so difficult to see every day. And the job itself was just so stressful. Um, but one thing that really stuck out to me, well, a couple of things, one, just the really good foster families that I came across in my work as an investigator, when I would place children in foster homes and the families that always said yes when they could, I just knew early on that I wanted to be one of those families. And my husband and I were dating at the time. And it's something I brought up to him that, you know, this is a desire I have to be a foster parent. Is this something you would be willing to do? And he very quickly agreed. So I said, okay, I think one day we're going to do this. But it does help too. So I did that, did the investigations for three years. And now I have a different role with a different agency that is a little more flexible. So that also makes it easier. I'm not, you know, right in the midst of all the more difficult side of foster care day to day. Um, I'm licensing foster homes. So to me, it feels a little less stressful and a little less in the trenches, if you will. So it does make it easier to also be a foster family at this point because of my job change. Okay. Well, I have a quick question for you, social worker to social worker. I also have a master's in social work and I 
remember, I mean, it's such a broad degree, which is great. You can do so many different things with it. So yeah. when you were in grad school or before, were you like, this is the arena that I want to work in. I want to work with, you know, child welfare. This is what I want to do. Or did you kind of stumble into it in a different way? I would say I stumbled into it. So I, when I got into social work, I was very interested in being a social worker in a prison. That's was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. I had watched a documentary on, I think it was on Netflix. And that's how I came to learn about social work. It was from a social worker working in a prison. And I just really was impressed by the work that she was doing. So when I graduated and I'm, I went to school in Florida and I moved back to Alabama and I just applied anywhere and everywhere that I could find because it's hard, you know, right out of school to find a job. So I just started applying and DHR was one of the first that reached out to me for an interview and offered me a job. And it did seem interesting to me. The work seemed very interesting, seemed like something I would want to do. So it just kind of, I just kind of stumbled into it, but I'm so glad I did. And it worked out the way it did because prior to that, I really didn't know much about foster care, didn't know much about the child welfare system. So I've learned so much and I'm just thankful because I don't think I would be here where I am now if that hadn't happened. It is so funny to me how that works out. Honestly, I, there was several arenas that I knew I would love to work in someday in social work and several that I was like, absolutely could never do this. And one of them was prisons and one of them was child welfare. And I'm a foster mom and I still haven't worked in prisons, but the other one was a mental hospitals. And I've definitely spent a good portion of my career working in, a, in, in one of those. So yes, the things you say you'll never do. You can never say never because exactly. Yes. (laughs) But we land where we're supposed to land and the experiences are also, you know, making us who we are. Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety reducing email course all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So let me ask you this. Can you just tell us a little bit about what it was like for you doing the investigations in that child protective arena? That seems like such a, just a really difficult job. Yes, it, it was very difficult. I think it's, you know, sometimes a little scary going to places, you know, you're going unannounced. You have no idea how people are going to respond to you usually not in a very (laughs) inviting way. That is not the happiest day of their life when DHR shows up at their door and says there's an investigation. But I just always tried to approach each family in the most kind and welcoming way possible because this is a terrible day of their life. No matter what they have done or what has happened to their children, you know, they're still people too, and we all make mistakes. So I just wanted to approach each family in the most kind way I could and just, you know, let them know we, we can work through this together. You just need to be honest with me. We just need to do our investigation and hopefully, you know, nothing turns up, but if it does, we'll, we'll work through that as well. Um, But it was definitely stressful. I mean, it's a stressful job. There is a lot of turnover. There's a lot of cases and you do see the brokenness. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see some of the worst of the worst situations and, it was just hard. And it's, you know, I didn't have kids of my own when I was doing it. And I think it does add another layer if you have kids, but it's still difficult because you see these children 
that are so vulnerable that you're working with and the people that are supposed to be protecting them or taking care of them either aren't able or are just choosing not to. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's difficult. It's difficult yeah. to see that and to do that work daily. Um, I definitely got to a point where it was just too much. It was a lot. And that's when I decided to leave and find another job. But I knew I wanted to remain in the same field. And I always wanted to be more on the foster care side of it, the more I got into the work. So I'm, I'm very blessed where I am now being able to license foster homes and see the other side of it, people wanting to step in and help. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's been a nice transition. That's amazing. Do you feel like your work before with the investigation side has informed your work now licensing foster parents at all? Yes, absolutely. I would say licensing foster parents and as a foster parent, I think it does. I think it helps to see that side of it and be able to explain. Cause when we try, I do the training, I do the paperwork, I do, you know, a lot of the licensing process. So when I'm training foster parents, I can talk a little more on the side of the abuse and the neglect and birth families and, um, you know, how important it is to work with them and do shared parenting, which is what we call it. So yeah, I think it definitely helps to have that background because I know why foster parents are needed and I'm very passionate about that because of the work I did. So yes, I would definitely say it has helped. Amazing. So you're currently licensing foster parents and you're a foster parent right now. Yes. Okay. So what about the training that you give to foster parents? Like, what about that? Do you feel like is like one of the most important things for them to know as they are licensing and training, or even just considering foster care for their family? What is kind of like your number one thing that you're like, this is my soapbox and I need you all to hear this. I think for me, so I work for a therapeutic foster care agency. Um, so our children have some extra behavioral challenges or maybe some mental health or medical challenges. And I think a lot of our foster parents, I mean, any child who has been through any type of trauma is going to have some extra behavioral needs. But I really try to make it clear that there are going to be challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, in traditional foster care, there's challenges but our children are in our homes for a reason. And I think a lot of times our parents kind of gloss over that and they get licensed and then a behavior shows up and they, they act like no one ever told them. So I just try to really be upfront. This is what you're going to see. We're here to support you. We want to work through this with you, but we really discuss behaviors a lot throughout training because it is, they're difficult. I mean, you know, that is a difficult and challenging thing to deal with in your home. And it's one thing to be taught about it and trained. And then when it's going on in your home, it's a whole nother story. So Mm -hmm. I think just making that very clear up front and letting people know what, what you're signing up for. Yeah. I think that's huge too, just for, you know, not disrupting placements if possible and things like that. It's like the more that you know, at the beginning, the more that you're expecting it, the better. Absolutely. So what do you do when a parent, a foster parent calls you and they're like, um, Katie, uh, we are having real trouble here handling these behaviors. What do you, what are some of the things that you tell them or how do you guide them? So that actually falls on some other of my coworkers. Um, so once they get licensed by me, we kind of pass them off, which I always tell them, you know, you can contact me anytime. I'm, I've worked with you for a few months. I'm happy to be that support. Um, but we are very lucky with our agency. So each of our children does have a DHR worker, but they also have a worker through our agency. 
So that worker can step in and they can even go out to the house if it's, you know, a behavior that really needs some intervention. We have therapists that work for our agency so they can step in um, and just whatever, I guess it depends on the child and what behaviors they've been working on. You know, they may already have that toolbox that they use with that child. So they can, our, um, our workers can really step in and help out. And they do, they do a lot. Um, they get called a lot. And <laughs> yeah. they, you know, they know their families, they know how the children are going to behave and how they respond to certain things. So they're able to step in and help. And that's usually if they were to call me and ask, I would probably refer to the worker because I just don't know the children as well. I really am just on the licensing side of it. I try to keep up with all my families once they've been licensed and make sure they're doing okay and see, you know, what, who their placements are and all of that. But as far as helping with behaviors, usually it would be their worker that steps in. Okay. That's so nice though, to have that support for themselves as well as, you know, for the kids, obviously. Yeah. That's really yeah. good. Okay. So tell me about your foster care journey. How long have you been a foster mama and how is the process for you getting licensed since you are the licensor? How does that all work for you? Yeah. So like I said, when I was working at DHR is when it really, that seed was planted for me. And I had that conversation with my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And we just both decided it's something we wanted to do. Eventually we didn't know if we would do it before we had kids, after we had kids, we didn't really know when we wanted to start, but in Alabama, you have to be married a year before you can get licensed. So we got married in May of 2019. And then um, my husband was still in school at the time. So he graduated. I was still working at DHR and we began looking into the process at that time, but everything works out for a reason because there's no way I could have (laughs) been a foster parent while working there. Mm -hmm. But all that to say. So then in May of 2019, we found out that I was pregnant and I had a miscarriage in July. And then I had another of 2020. And then I had another miscarriage in October of 2020. And we just decided that we were ready to have children in our home, even if, you know, they were going to be with us temporarily. We were, we just felt like we were ready to welcome children in our home and we just had love to give. So we started looking into the process and we found an agency we wanted to go through. We were supposed to start classes in January of 2021, but because of stuff going on with COVID, they postponed the classes until March. So we started our classes last March in 2021, and then we were licensed by July, the middle of July, I think it was July 15th. And I think that was maybe a Wednesday or Thursday. And then that Friday, we already had a respite placement. So yes, we got our first placement and it was a set of brothers and they were with us for the weekend and it was great. They were so sweet and it was a great first placement. And then the next week we did respite again for another set of brothers. And then the day after they left, our current placement came. So right now we have a sibling set of three and the older two came to us. So it was at the end of July, they came to us and then their younger sister came in November. So three months later. Okay. So how's everything going for you guys so far? It is good. Um, We've definitely had our challenges and there's some days that I'm like, what did we do? (laughs) Why did we sign up for this? Uh But so worth it. It's so worth it. And we just love, we love the kids. I've been able to build a really good relationship with their family. And that has been very beautiful. They're very 
loving and just very supportive of us when it comes to different challenges that have arised with the children. Um, they're very grateful for us, which I know doesn't always happen. And that's understandable. You know, no one wants to be in this situation with their kids, but they have just been so gracious and so thankful. So we really have had a very good experience so far. That's amazing. That is just uh, such a gift when you can, like you said, do the shared parenting. It's like, this yeah. isn't just my kids or your kids right now. It's both, they're both of our kids and we need to kind of work together for their good. Yes, absolutely. And they have a lot of uh, family that is involved. So, you know, I'm texting or talking to them on the phone, at least one family member, probably every day, if not every other day. Um, and they're always checking in to see how things are going, if they if we need anything, if they can bring us anything. So it, it really has been great because they have just been very easy to work with for the most part, you know, there's yeah. things that come up and especially when you have that kind of relationship and you grow to love them and decisions are made that you may not agree with, that's hard, but I think it's definitely still worth it to have that relationship. Yeah. I think that's really good. Thanks for pointing that out because I think, you know, like anything with foster care or anything in life, I guess you can have those like rose colored glasses of like, I mean, I did when I first started fostering, I was like, Oh, everyone will love me. Like, it's going to be so great. We're going to be best friends and I'll love them. And it'll just be, you know, a movie. And it's just so not always that. Um, and so just to be able to kind of hold everything with a loose grasp of like, we're all just going to show up and do the best that we can. And that may look different on different days and that is okay. Yes, absolutely. And it does look different on yes, every day, absolutely. you know, you yeah. never know what you're going to get. And I do think my work at DHR really has helped because I have worked with birth families for years and I saw some of their relationships with foster families and some were very good and some were not so good. So I knew early on, you know, I want to try to cultivate this relationship, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, so I do feel very, very lucky that for now that's where we're at. Yeah. That's amazing. And I think it's just good for people too, as they contemplate this process to understand that that is part of the process is you're not just caring for these kids, you're caring for their family. And that sometimes it's super easy, like caring for the kids is super easy. And sometimes it's super hard, like caring for the kids is super hard, but just being willing to, you know, approach it from that perspective of like, we're here to care for everybody involved. I think like you said, makes a huge difference. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. So what type of encouragement would you give to someone who is, you know, thinking about foster care or maybe someone who's just started fostering and they're kind of feeling like, this feels a little overwhelming. What kind of way could you encourage them? It is overwhelming and it can be very overwhelming, but I think it's worth it. And the kids and the families are worth it. And there is a lot of support for foster families. There's a lot of good books that are encouraging. Um, I've had to read some of those and just trust that I'm where I'm meant to be right now. Cause there are some days that I do think, you know, why did we do this? Mm-hmm. There are some very hard days, but I really do. I trust that God has us here for a reason. And these kids have been placed in our home for a reason. And even on the most difficult days, they're here and they're with us for a reason. Mm-hmm. Even when I feel like I'm failing as a parent, you know, we're here for a reason. And I think just throughout our pregnancy losses and the foster care journey. I'm just surrender all of this 
God will, and it's his will, not ours. And um, while it is very overwhelming, I think I just keep telling myself when I get overwhelmed, you know, I don't have to be in control of this. He's in control. And thank goodness, because I don't want to be in control of this. So I think, you know, just trusting that he'll, he'll guide you and he'll lead you where you're supposed to be. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed because it is an overwhelming situation. Foster care is overwhelming. Walking into brokenness and other people's brokenness is overwhelming. So it's okay to be overwhelmed, but that doesn't mean you're not supposed to be here. Ooh, that is so good. Thank you for saying that. I think that is absolutely it. Because I think it's easy to think on those worst days or really hard days of overwhelm or almost burnout even that like someone else could be doing this better, or I'm just not cut out for this. Those are the thoughts that kind of, I hear from people a lot that come in. And even that I've heard myself say a few times of like, geez, like, I just feel like I am at capacity. I'm over capacity. I just can't do this. And it really is. That is part of the experience. So just to know that ahead of time too, that like you are going to feel that way. So it's not going to be the lifetime special that we might have thought (laughs) going into it. Um, But that doesn't mean that we're not supposed to be doing it or that it's not, you know, really important, good work that we're doing. Right. Yes. And I think reminding yourself that it is good work. And there Mm -hmm. are, like you said, there are going to be those days. I mean, I think, especially as a a social worker that licenses foster parents, it's easy for me to be like, oh, there's way better people doing this than me. Why did I, you know, why am I doing this? I'm, I'm not the best at this, but I don't think anyone can be the best at it. It's hard, Mm -hmm. Um, but we can all work together and do the best we can and take care of the children because it is important work. Yeah. I love that. And just taking ourselves even out of it of like, okay, it's not even really about me anyway. Cause it's so easy to, to have those thoughts creep. And I've had that experience of like, oh yeah, someone could do this better, or I'm not doing a good enough job. Or I see this person on social media doing it so perfectly. And it's like, well, okay, take it, take a step back. <laughs> like that's not the truth, you know? Yeah, so we need to absolutely. just be really honest. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Katie. This has been a really encouraging conversation. Do you have a place where people can follow you along online or is that not something you do? Yes, I do. My Instagram is Katie V Canals. I share a lot on my stories. I don't post a whole lot. And then my Facebook is, I think it's Katie Vic Canals. Okay. Um, And they're both very private, but I will add or accept anyone. But again, yeah, I post a lot of my stories. I share about our journey and my stories, but not as much in my posts. Perfect. Well, I thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I will link everything up so that people can stay in touch with you and just follow along with your journey. But thanks for sharing your wisdom. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. 